What's up, guys? This is Tanner from TamanBaseballFan.com. Uh, you know, I'm not even sure if this is going to make it as an episode. Just think I'm going to want to talk out loud a little bit here, uh, kind of get some thoughts out and, you know, explore kind of what's been going on in my brain a little bit audibly. And so that way, uh, when I'm talking out loud, the phone is to my face, so I don't look uh, like a crazy person just talking. So, <laughs> but uh, anyways, I kind of had a little bit of Oh, I don't know if I would call it an epiphany or not, um, but uh, I just uh, I found something interesting. I uh, um, have, uh, as you know, I've been talking a lot about like uh, the diamond cutting stage. And I've talked about this the past year with your collection, you know, kind of picking out what you really, really, really love and selling the rest and uh, really just kind of refine your collection to specifically the things that you are absolutely in love with and I don't know like so as I've been kind of hopping along to some other hobbies as well and I'm going to talk specifically about transformers uh, because there are a lot of parallels here uh, guys like from me collecting uh, as a beginner uh, in the baseball card realm and how I am collecting transformers now and how that contrasts with how I collect baseball cards now. Uh, so when I first started collecting Transformers, I was just getting a few of the big pieces I really wanted, I really liked, and I thought were cool. And then my eyes opened to a bunch of different other types. There's a Masterpiece scale, which is larger. There's Legend scale, which is smaller. Um, you have all kinds of uh, different third-party companies that make them as well which actually are end up uh, in my opinion and the opinion of many others uh, the third party uh, <laughs> the unlicensed ones if you will uh, so if we're going to equate this to baseball cards the uh, the paninis and the leafs of transformer makers are actually the ones that are better than the official releases uh, they come out with wild stuff like really really cool looking and uh, so if you have for instance uh, I'm trying to think of uh, <laughs> of one of them. So, well, let's say uh, Megatron. There's uh, one that a company came out with, and they can't call him Megatron, so they call him Megatank. <laughs> and uh, it's really kind of funny. Um, where they have just different names, and they're trying to skirt around, uh, you know, actually naming them the exact same guys. But they are. They're, they look exactly like uh, the real characters, but they're just better. Um, so, anyways, in discovering this, going through discovery mode, to figure out what I like, I found that um, I'm picking up a lot of stuff that, uh, you know, that I'm just not sure if I like or not yet, and I'm kind of through going through discovery, which is kind of fun and addicting, and it made me start to feel kind of how I felt when I first started collecting baseball cards again, like the feeling of gotta have it all. It's obsess, uh, it's obsessive, it's addicting. It's, uh, you know, really exciting. Like every new thing that you uncover is like, is really cool, you know, and all that. And so it's kind of fun to get that feel again and to equate that to how it was when I was, uh, first came back, uh, collecting baseball cards. And so I think ultimately, you know, I think there's a lesson to be learned here where, and it's kind of like what I've been hitting at before now. I think the reason why I'm so thankful for going through this again is because I can kind of see a couple pitfalls 
that I might be able to hopefully help some of you all with um, down the road uh, as well, especially if you're like just getting into the hobby and you think like everything's like the coolest thing ever. Um, so the first thing is to, before you make any purchases, really, really, really research what you have. Now this research that you put inside of your collecting is gonna be your safeguard. And what I mean by that is, let's say you find out that you just are in absolute love with, oh, uh, Mike Trout, Mike Trout cards or something, you know, for example. And, uh, you know, you really just like, you can't get these Trout cards out of your head and you've heard that he, uh, his cards skyrocketed over the past few years and, you know, so on and so forth and yada, yada, yada. And so you start buying willy-nilly like, you know, $20 here, $50 there, $200 here, $500 there. And you start thinking, well, you know, it's it's the going rate. The other cards out there are, are for sale at similar pricing or maybe I picked up the lower price versions of everything else that's for sale out there. Um, not paying attention to what the cards actually have sold for. Um, but that is a big piece of the puzzle that's missing for a lot of people out there, guys. Like, if, uh, if you don't know what something has sold for, um, and I get it, you guys. Like, I know a lot of times you want to turn the blind eye to that anyways, so that way you can better justify uh, buying what you really want. <laughs> and, you know, hey, look, I think we all... Uh, fall victim to that sometimes <laughs> you know because you, you want what you want and you know, it's disposable income for hopefully uh hopefully for you um but when it comes to a situation where you feel like you're buying tons of stuff um that five dollars are uh, above market or ten dollars above market or twenty dollars above market is going to add up very very quickly and eventually you're gonna to get to the point where maybe you've spent five grand and it turns out you only have $3,800 worth of cards. And that's okay, I mean, we can talk through how to get out of that hole as well. Um, but uh, the main point is, is to research, research, research. And that way you have a safeguard. So you know that if you buy a, if you're patient and you buy a $20 card for 15, you're fine. Because if you have it and you find out that you know, it isn't really something that you're absolutely in love with, then you can sell it and get your money back, no problem whatsoever. Um, I like that. Uh, I like that way of collecting a lot because it allows you to kind of uh, wet your beak, uh, so to speak, when it comes to all kinds of different cards. Because there's a there's a time when you're a newbie and you have this, uh, and not necessarily a newbie to the hobby, but a newbie to any sect of the hobby, like to patches, to 90s cards, to vintage cards, to so on and so forth. Um, you, know, you want to like kind of you know feel how it is to actually own these cards. It's one thing to see pictures of these cards online and to have feelings toward them in a certain way. It's quite another when they're in your hand, when you bought and paid uh, for them, and you could actually feel them and look at them on your desk or have them in your box and be able to take ownership of said card and tell others, you know, hey, look, I got this and everything. So it's a night and day difference. Uh, sometimes, and I've seen this happen uh, to a lot of people, it's happened to me as well, where 
I buy a card and I look at the card and I just can't get it out of my head. I'm like, oh, this is the coolest thing ever. I love this. This is such a neat card. And I buy it. And after about a week or two, uh, the new car smell goes away, so to speak, if that makes sense. And I don't really get too terribly excited about it anymore. Um, and so that means it's time to sell. There's actually one card that's like this that I had. It was a Christy Mathewson uh, card. I bought it, I think it was uh, $1,800 or something. And so, you know, it's an expensive card. And after a week or two, I go, yeah, you know, I don't really, don't really, I'm not really feeling this card. And so uh, I put it up for, it was like 2000 or 2100 and it sold. So I was able to make a little money off of it. So it was, it was a good thing in both ways. That like, number one, I wasn't buying it to resell, but I bought it at a price so I could resell. And in doing so, I was able to gain some knowledge on the card on how it felt in my collection. I was able to put a little money in my pocket as well. Um, so I think that's a great way of going. Um, at the very least, maybe not even uh, to the point where you make money, but to where you, uh, you know, where you can at least break even. Or, you know, maybe even lose a little money. Because we're not always in a position where we can make purchase to be able to make money or break even if, if all goes sideways, right? So sometimes, you know, you, sometimes you lose money. <laughs> it's just the, that's just the nature of the beast. That's how it goes sometimes. And that's okay. But the, the trick is to make sure that that is the exception to the rule, not the rule. And because we all lose money at some point or another. That's just how it goes. I was telling a friend about this uh, the other day where I bought a, uh, I think it was a 1915 Cracker Jack Napoleon Lajoie for, oh, I don't remember what it was. I think it was 1100 bucks or something. And I also bought a Tris Speaker 1915 Cracker Jack for 700 and I said, okay, it's time to move these cards. The guy that sold me the speaker uh, said that he uh, wants to buy it back and was willing to go 900 on it. I go, okay. And so I ended up uh, agreeing to it, but <laughs> I got my wires crossed. I got those cards mixed up. And I ended up having to sell the $1,100 Lajoie for 900 uh, because I really, really messed up my records and uh, I forgot, <laughs> you know, so, and that still stings. It happened like a couple years ago, but I lost $200 on that and I really, it stings uh, still. Yeah, you know, I don't like losing money, especially because it was a careless mistake on my behalf, but, uh, you know, it just happens even though uh, I've been buying and selling and trading for you know, years and years and years now, it happens sometimes. <laughs> you know, there are mistakes definitely happen. And so uh, also when it comes to uh, really kind of finding out what you love, uh, you know, you can almost chalk it up to education costs as well, which is fine sometimes, you know, like <laughs> you're not really going to know how you feel about certain cards until you actually buy them. And that's okay. I would recommend one big thing though. I know that uh, eBay allows you to return cards if you don't like them. Um, I, I would personally recommend you not do this. Um, I think it's kind of a crummy thing for the seller. Uh, if you try to, you know, do, uh, if you try to get familiar, if you try to familiarize yourself with the card, uh, on their dime, so to speak. So I would recommend keeping the card. And if you want to sell it, sell it to somebody else instead of returning it. Um, you know, sell it to somebody that actually wants the card. 
Um, I think it's kind of a crummy move to be like, ah, no, I decided I didn't like it and I'm just going to return it. It's never fun for a seller to have that happen. I mean, it's never fun. So, anyways, um, I think it's just bad practice as well. You know, I really do. Uh, but anyway, so uh, the next thing I want to talk about, though, is uh, going back to this diamond, stage, diamond cutting stage of whittling down your collection to only what you really, really, really love. So I've kind of, I don't want to say I've waffled on this um, because I do think it's a very, very uh, good thing to do to really focus on what you love. But I don't have a problem whatsoever, you guys, with like allocating some funds to uh, cards that you don't just love, that you are white hot passionate about, but you just enjoy. Um, there are collectors I know out there that have boxes of you know inserts and serial number cards that are you know one to five dollars each or something nothing eye-popping and probably they would sell for you know 50 to 75 percent uh each on average for bulk if they're bulk moving it uh moving those cards and uh, they love it they love being able to pull out a box and pull out a, a pile of cards and just you know, let the the wonderment of what's in their hand like kind of wash over them, and it's fun. It's fun that way, and that's why I like the idea of uh, going in a little bit and building up an '80s binder. Um, huh, I almost stepped on a snake. Anyways, uh, <laughs> there's like this massive snake in the sidewalk that was uh, going off the side. But anyways, I like the idea of a an '80s binder uh, that you pull out and just enjoy sometimes, and maybe like. Uh, you know, build a couple sets or something and, you know, let nostalgia, you know, just really kind of wash over you. And, you know, not that you'd ever be white hot passionate, or not that you ever could be white hot passionate about, say, a 1988 score set or anything. Uh, but if you don't have to place too much money into it, you know, hey, why not? Right? I mean, if, especially, I'll give you this caveat though. As long as it doesn't take away from allowing you to uh, pick up a grand slam of an item. Now that could be one thing that you might wanna reconsider whenever you're buying certain things. So let's say you have, uh, yeah, an 88 score set, but you also have a run of FLIR sets from 81 to 97. And then you have, uh, you know, these other insert sets that don't mean a whole lot to you but you like how they look and let's say at the end of the day you have zero dollars that you can spend on the hobby but you have cumulatively three thousand dollars in cards that you like but don't love and you find out that you know hey i could actually if i had that three thousand dollars cash i would totally buy this uh, specific one of one or you know this vintage graded card or whatever um, you know, so that's the situation where you don't want to, you know, put yourself into and you want to take the necessary, uh, uh, you know, moves to the necessary actions to actually get yourself positioned to a point where you can uh, make a massive purchase on something that you absolutely love. But I also do like the idea of splitting up your collection and cards that you love and then maybe a, a larger body of work when it comes to like maybe perhaps a bunch of inserts or set you're working on or something. Uh, so that way you can kind of get that kind of enjoyment as well. 
there's a, there's something about I don't know. It's it's hard to say. There's something about having a box of mystery. Yeah, I use air quotes on mystery because you know it's in there, right? But it's not something that's like in your face 24-7. There's something about a box of mystery uh, that can scratch an itch that a uh, shelf queen of a card cannot get to. Because a shelf queen of a card, you'll see every day, day in and day out, it's always there. It's always in your face. And you'll always love it, for sure. You know, unless, you know, if you don't, you can always sell it. But when it comes to a box to be able to pull out and just have fun and flipping through and everything, I think that's probably one of the things, one of the reasons why I like Transformers so much is I enjoy being able to pick up a robot and uh, transforming it from a car to a, to a robot and from a robot to a car, uh, you know, instead of just having it as a statue. And so <laughs> I think that probably carries over a little bit to uh, having a box of cards. Where I have like a box of Conseco cards and uh, some other things as well. I literally, guys, I, I have my favorite Conseco cards displayed. And I have one singular uh, two-row shoe box of Conseco cards. Uh, and that's it, really. But the, those, that shoe box has like some really good stuff, too. And I enjoy going through it and looking at them uh, from time to time. And uh, it's fun. And they're not always in my face. There, there are cards I can look through and go, oh, I remember. And every now and then, like, it's kind of funny. Every now and then I'll go through them and go, oh, my gosh, I completely forgot I had that card, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and uh, it's neat to be able to do that. And every now and then you look on, uh, on eBay and you see a card for sale and you go, do I have that card? A wild difference from when I was super collecting because I knew every card I had at any given moment. And uh, you know, I knew what I'd be willing to pay for any card that would come up that I didn't, that I knew that I didn't have immediately. And so now that's not the case. It's like, oh, do I still have that one? I don't remember if I sold that or not. <laughs> and so there's a little bit of, uh, you know, uh, uh, I don't know. There, there's there's disappointment when you go through the box and you're like, oh man, I don't have that card, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but there's also joy that you get when you go, oh sweet, I do have that card already. You know, and uh, I guess that's the uh, the difference between where I'm at now and a super collector. Super collector will know, generally speaking, at all times. Um, whereas for me, I'm like, oh, <laughs> I'm not really sure, and that's okay because I'm not like building anything like as far as a master list goes or anything anymore. Uh, but it's fun. So, so in conclusion, I guess that's kind of where I would stop as is just say, you know, hey, listen, you know, you can have. Uh, you know, the, the wow factor cards. You could also have the cards that aren't wow factor material, but they bring you joy and enjoyment because you're able to flip through them, you know? And uh, and also the great things about that is that you can have cards, and that's what I've been saying for years now. You can find joy in these cards that are not super expensive. You know, you can you can get a lot of great feelings out of cards that are you know, from a dollar to ten dollars or whatever. There's a lot of them out there to enjoy. Like one of the beautiful things about our hobby right now is there are so, so, so many cards out there uh, that are just ridiculously beautiful. And you know, of course, you have guys like me that create our own cards and stuff too. And you know, it's fun. Also, I was actually just uh, posting uh, on social media yesterday. I think it was a blue refractor 
Team USA Maguire card that uh, I dreamed about. And when I woke up, I ended up making it. And I ended up uh, reaching out to uh, somebody by the name of Jason. I don't know if he wants my, uh, if he wants me to say his last name, but and this is years ago anyways, but uh, Jason T, we'll call him that. Um, and he actually had a connection with McGuire. So I sent it to him and he got a sign for me. And just, it turned out beautifully. And it was just like a real fun kind of fantasy card that would have never existed had I not dreamed about it. So <laughs> that's, a, that's a neat thing also. We've got so many different facets of this hobby that we can explore and enjoy and have fun with, you know? And uh, I think uh, also going back to kind of like where I was with uh, uh, where I am right now that is with Transformers, that newness of, you know, oh man, you know, you come across something, you see something and you go, that's really cool. I got to pick it up. I got to try it. And uh, whereas uh, with baseball cards where I'm at now, it's like, do I really love this? If I don't really love it, I got to sell it. Yeah. <laughs> it's really kind of funny. I feel like I'm on both ends of the spectrum uh, when it comes to uh, hobbies in general, not just this specific hobby, but there's so many parallels and that's why I'm enjoying exploring other avenues is there are so many parallels out there. I was actually even uh, at church, you know, talking to uh, Atticus's friend who got super excited about uh, a pen. Like he, I've brought him up before on the, on the podcast, but he loves himself some pens. Like he is a pen collector. He is, I, I get such a kick out of this guy's like hearing that there are, uh, there are forums, Facebook groups, and, uh, and clubs dedicated solely to uh, collectors of pens. And so he is front and center there. He loves it. And you know, he's, it was telling us about this uh, limited edition pen that sold for you know, a good amount of money that they only made 200 of them. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, you know, so he had to go on the website at midnight or whatever it was and uh, place an order right away and they sold out within six minutes and I go, oh my gosh, this sounds just like our hobby. <laughs> and so he'll, he, he carries a special pen that he loves, uh, like a pen of the day or whatever in his pocket. And so whenever he comes over, he'll be like, you know, hey Tanner, check this out. And he'll pull out his pen and he'll show me uh, the pen that he brought and uh, all the, the reasons why it's exciting and special and everything. And uh, it's really fun. Uh, <laughs> I guess is that uh, when you have the collecting gene in you, you just, uh, <laughs> you know, you, it knows no bounds. Like it can, once you attach yourself to something, I mean, that's it, <laughs> game over. <laughs> so, you know, the, the trick is to not overindulge, I guess. Um, but anyway, so those are my thoughts for tonight. Um, not sure if this is gonna help anybody out there. I hope it does, but if not, oh well, hopefully it helped you on your you know, drive to work or something. So <laughs> anyways, as always, thank you for listening. I hope you all have a great rest of the day.